general nerdery. So the way this book was recommended to me, and the way I sold Tyler on doing this episode, and the way that pretty much everyone, as far as I can tell, has recommended this book, is three words. Lesbian space necromancers. Yeah? And yeah, that's, that's the exact response. That's the exact response I had. And we're like, I don't know if this is good based off those three words, but it's something I'm definitely going to fucking read. Yeah, that's pretty much what I, I was like. Oh, okay. Well, that could go either way, but, but let's I find, find out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to General Nerdery. We are your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us once again is friend of the show, Brianna. Anya. Hi. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call you Anya. I give up. Do it. Um, <laughs> the downside of knowing people through Wappy Bats, I have everyone's names wrong. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been a long time. Thanks. It has been. Oh God, since before like the almost pandemic. Almost a year. Um, and or this will hopefully be the pandemic. This will hopefully be a much happier episode than. By the way, your fave is problematic. Yeah. Some people <laughs> suck. <laughs> Necromancer space lesbians. Or as I like to call it, giant sword lesbians. Yeah, I mean, really. Well, part of the point is that the sword wasn't as giant as she would have liked, but. Yeah, that's true. She's giant, though. It keeps making me think of that <laughs> book you kickstarted of, or the back of the Kickstarter of, the tabletop game of Thirsty Sword Lesbians, mm-hmm. because that pretty much describes our main character to a T in this book. Yes. I'm not going to say that's where Thirsty Sword Lesbians came from, but I'm not going to say You're not going to say it's not. <laughs> um, before we get there, what have we been ingesting lately, I suppose? I uh, finally beat the main quest line for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Wow, and that's... it was awesome. Now was I'm starting it in awesome, on awesome, or was it you? Were you just suddenly like, oh, this is done now? I guess. Have you played I, this game before? I've played through the main part, I think, and then it was just kind of done, and I didn't <coughs> know. <what> it was. <coughs> okay, so that's actually good. Um, parts of the ending feel rushed, uh, but uh, I was going into it. I guess thinking already about the fact that there's going to be at least three DLCs. Yes. So possibly more. They have said this is going to be the first Assassin's Creed title that they're going to support past a year. Wow. Uh, so I don't know. I do feel like there's part of the story that still needs to be resolved, but I really liked where it's going with the crazy uh, meshing, the mythic and the sci-fi aspect now it's a popular move with norse stuff Mm -hmm. um and i also like it just reminded me a lot of the game two human from silicon knights back in the day that i loved but it got it was not a great game so (laughs) um and i I read this novel (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fair uh it hasn't been a when we're doing novels because like you have to like really invest some time as opposed to like Two episodes of a TV show. Yeah, and it was great. Like, but that was also like most of my Saturday was just like laying around and cool and green. Yeah. Let's see. Um. Well, we got to start doing Bellagarth again. So both Anya and I are very sore from hitting each other with foam sticks. I made it up the stairs, so that was um, exciting. I haven't read as much as usual this last week because allergy season hit, and I live next to hayfields now. And I straight up spent like three days just on the couch. I think I was watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but to be honest with you, I'm not 100% aware. Also, if I keep making gross noises, this is 100% why. 
the inside of my lungs look like pollen now, and that's not a good thing for me. Uh, oh, and I went in the Heights. Oh, I went to the theater for that. It is so fucking good, Tyler. I, I'm going to watch it. I have to admit, I like my intensity for wanting to watch it has been uh, a little bit quelled lately with some of the conversations surrounding it. And that's fair. There was a conversation about the fact that uh, it's a it's not correct me if I get any of this wrong. It's not whitewashing because it's still predominantly people of colors, but it's very much lighter skin tone for all of the major characters. Uh, anyone who's black was a background character. None of the major well, other than Benny, but that's like specifically part of Benny's thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're yeah, it's all very light skinned Latinos. And it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's not enough to completely put me off of it, and I don't know, I've seen a lot of people going weirdly at Lynn for it, and if anything, it was the director's choice. Well, so. even Lynn was like... Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And yeah. actually, Chu, uh, John M. Chu, who directed it, was mm-hmm. also pretty, it, I think, my privileged place if I am a very <laughs> straight white male, um, I, I think that their responses have been pretty, like, you're right, we should have done better, we're sorry. We'll mm-hmm. try and do better. Um, it is one of those that I'm like, I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. But also, damn, all of those actors did such a good job in mm-hmm. what they did. Yeah, and it's just, at this point, it's become one of those things, like, I, I talked about it when we talked about it in the Spider-Verse. Like, mm-hmm. I usually, like, jump on immediately any extra uh, Latine representation like part of it, like Miles, mm-hmm. absolutely is Latino, but I want the Afro Latino kids to have him first, because they don't get as much shit. Like I've always, whenever I have seen Latino representation, it's been light skinned for l- most of my life, and like they don't get that. And I want, I want to make sure that they get a chance before I'm like, oh no, he's he's part of me too. He is part of me, but I don't need to like. Try to get there first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. I, I saw Miguel in in the Spider Man comparison. So yeah, it's so good though, guys. Oh my god, it's so good. It's so good. And it's like I left because we watched it at the Roxy, which if you don't live in Missoula, is our local like nonprofit small scale like old school theater. Uh, and then we were walking back to Bonner Park, which is a few blocks away, which is where we parked, and like getting out of there and like walking through on a summer night, and we're like. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, being reminded why I love my hometown in the same way that the, like, pure love of Washington Heights with its positives and negatives uh, shows through that entire movie. Feelings. Uh, But I'm still probably going to get to it within the month. Like I said, it's just been weird because every time I've thought of it, I've been like, oh, yeah. I have almost paid you to go. To be honest, I almost was like, Tyler, we're going on Saturday. And then we will just come record a review. <laughs> and then it didn't help that, like, okay, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then, like, on uh, Colbert, Rita Moreno had to bring it up out of nowhere and just... She leave. didn't do a great job there. Oh, no. No, and it just reminded me of it all again. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play some Valhalla again tonight, and then I'll get to it later this week. She was basically like, shut up and stop. Like, you're overreacting to this. And later on, I was like, okay, so I was wrong. Sorry. Because she was trying to defend her friend, I assume, but like... Eh, well, part of the works. problem was she brought it up out of nowhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> God, that's got to be awkward. This is the thing I think about with late night TV shows. That's got to be awkward for like Colbert. There who's something like, well, I guess this is happening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I also I love her still though too. It was just a bad moment. Whatever. People are complicated. <laughs> That's part of the message of In the Heights. Yeah. She's still amazing, though, and I also have to understand she came from a very weird time period where she was actually having to get, like, makeup put on her to be darker because people did not uh, accept light-skinned Latinos at the time in film. So. Yeah, I can see that being complicated. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anya, what about you? Uh, I've been reading textbooks basically because i've turned into a nerd uh since last i was on this podcast i've been studying irish paganism Ooh. and um so i've been reading a lot of irish mythology and like academic papers about irish mythology and taking classes um and that's pretty much what i do with my free time now you oh, say this I, like it's a bad thing. You're on a great. podcast called General Nerdery. It's great. You're home here. It's hella nerdy. I'm so excited. Speaking of Valhalla, I'm so excited for the Irish DLC. I haven't played it yet or downloaded it yet, but I'm very excited for it because I've heard good things about it being accurate enough <laughs> that people weren't pissed off. Um, I haven't. Which with Kelp fans, that's some. Um, it's kind of an accomplishment. I'm sorry, yeah. I interrupted you there. Well, I was going to say that's <laughs> what I've been getting into this weekend, but I haven't done enough of that section of it. There's also a, a whole new mechanic with, like, setting up trading posts and stuff, and you get a lot of gear that way, so I've been going super hard into that aspect of it. That's fancy. Yeah. It's something I kind of wish they would have had in the game the entire mm -hmm. time, but, you know, it happens. Part of the problem, um, this is, is segues, but it does connect in, and it's kind of a thing. Part of the problem for General Nerdery for me is as I'm going through these episodes, I have the thought, that's what I should do tonight after work. Because <laughs> this is, we record this on my Friday. Going into my weekend, I never want to, like, I'm never going on a hike after this. I work an eight-hour day, and then, but, like, so far, since I've gotten to Tyler's house about an hour ago, I've gone... I should watch Last Jedi tonight. I should watch WandaVision tonight. I should watch... You should watch WandaVision tonight. I should watch Ted Lasso tonight. <laughs> you should watch should, Ted Lasso tonight. Uh, I should play more Spider-Man Miles Morales as we're talking about that. I should play some more Assassin's Creed Black Flag. I have like four hours of consciousness when we're you done You should here. watch Ted Lasso tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and like there's, there's too many good options. Those are all good options. Just do them all at once. It'll be fine. I used to be able to play video games and watch TV simultaneously. Um, I, I don't know do if I could anymore, but three TVs would make my brain explode. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I also just realized that if I had gotten into that section of the Wrath of the Druids, I still wouldn't know if they were accurate or not to any of the shit. I don't know that shit, so. I'm on it. Yeah. All you'll ha you'll it. have to come back and just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Now I'm just going through the druids that I know of in fiction being like, that one's bad, that one's bad. Pretty much all of them are bad. Dr. Druid's the worst in like eight different ways. Oh, and I mean, just because we're going to talk about giant sword lesbians today anyway, huh? like Eivor is canonically female. Yes. Love it. So there is that. Throwing that out there. I played Eivor as hella gay and I also yeah. 
played, I can't remember what so did I. her name was, but in the Greek one in Odyssey previously oh, also. Um, the gayest, because it's the Greeks, and you're just yeah. like, just... Cassandra. Have, oh, yes, Cassandra, thank you. So, so gay. I did an Alexios playthrough, and he slept with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the last game I played where there was much in the way of romantic options. Uh... Because there were they're available in Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I'm like, I'm your teacher. Like, I know I'm supposed to be canonically the same age as you. Like, oh. we're both seventeen, but also, I'm your mm. teacher. And then before that, it was like the uh, uh, the Old Republic, and I super banged my Padawan in that. So you know, apparently, I have like defining levels of where this is okay. <laughs> but like. <laughs> Is that past ingesting? Did we, did we get everybody's There's been a lot of ingesting to take in <laughs> okay. right there. Uh, news. News. What do we want to start with on Let's our news with, test? I always kind of feel like we should start with Reed Richards, because we rarely actually know what we're talking about with the science one, so maybe we should just get on through. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, researchers were able to recreate a bird song by reading only its brain activity. Uh, they reproduced the... Uh, the all the vocalizations down to the pitch, volume, and timbre, and it is sort of maybe the first step towards uh, developing vocal prosthesis for humans that have lost their ability to speak. Okay, so they they just like looked at the brain basically. I mean, through fancy kind machines. of. So um, I was reading what one of the the actual people that worked on the paper was saying about it. It's still a very very tentative first step because this was a super invasive procedure where the things were like the electrodes that were getting the readings were embedded into the, the mm -hmm. brains of the bird. Uh, we're not going to do anything like that with humans and the human brain, uh, especially just isolating what the speech parts would be is a lot more complex, but I mean, we scanned a bird's brain without it saying anything and recreated even the timbre. So that's amazing. It's pretty wild. But yeah, that's really interesting. It's kind of horrifying. Questionable but it's really methods aside, yeah, very cool. Welcome to science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that happened. Okay. I guess that's the science news. Oh. <laughs> uh, more cast members have been announced for "Our Flag Means Death," which is the Taika Waititi pirate comedy coming out on HBO Max. That's right. Uh, and we're calling this our Ben because you and I cannot stop talking about Taika. Right. And never, ever will. Never should. Uh, Taika Waititi, along with writer-showrunner David Jenkins, are working on a uh, HBO Max period comedy series. So it's a TV show of some kind. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming kind of it's going to be like The Mandalorian. Like, here's ten episodes. Mm -hmm. Christian Nairn who I believe is Hodor from Game of Thrones. I know he's mm -hmm. Game of Thrones. Uh, Nathan Fode, Samson Kayo, Rory Kinnear from Penny Dreadful, Con O'Neill from The Batman, which isn't out yet, so that's not wildly helpful, uh, Vico Ortiz from Vita, and Garrett Bosch and Dan Halstead are going to executive produce alongside Watiti and Jensen. Hmm. The series stars Reese Darby as Steed Bonnet, whose real-life adventures will loosely serve as the basis for this series. That's exciting. I know a very, very tiny little bit about Steed Bonnet, and I love Reese Darby, so this is going to be insane. Uh, I really 
like pirates. (laughs) 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 Blame Muppet Treasure Island, but like classic romanticized pirate, just inject that shit into my veins. Does that mean pirates are coming back? Because I feel like it's been a while and it's about time. Did they go away? I mean, they didn't go all the way away, but there was that whole, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean inspired obsession when everyone was like super into When we suddenly realized we were all just like liking Jack Sparrow and I'm like, I I get it, but also there's other pirate things. There are other pirate things. Awesome. (laughs) Um, I guess for uh, our hot and new, I didn't choose anything specific. Because no 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 this is gonna make more sense. E three just happened. I didn't want to narrow it down. There was a shit ton of stories. Mm-hmm. I wanted to throw it out there to you guys. Was there any gaming news that came out of E three that perked your ears up? I have watched literally one thing from E three, Breath of the Wild two trailer, mm. and it's coming out next year. And I was like, cool. I got everything I need mm. to know. <laughs> I feel like I saw one like teaser for something that someone was gonna talk about at E three. It could have been Bioware. I don't know who else I would have been paying attention to. I'm excited that but... someone somewhere did a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. And then, I mean, I mean look, here. And then for me, I did. they're going to be putting out a um, remastered Diablo 2. Oh, I knew they were doing that. So that... So I'm probably going to go end up going hard on that because I loved Diablo 2 back in the day, but admittedly really sucked at it. And I think I could do better now. Okay, so two things here. One, is it like, when they say remaster, are they going to completely rework the system, or is it going to be like Diablo 2, but prettier? It seems to be mostly Diablo 2, but prettier, but like from the get-go with all of, you know, all of the things that they decided to fix throughout its life cycle, like that's where it started, and then they'll just be... The skill tree. Fix is the skill there. tree still there as it is? Because that is, like, the most important part of this phone. Yeah, as far as I know, the skill trees. Welcome to, like, one of yeah. the only games in history that I'm actually passionate about. Yeah, I'm pretty sure... I mean, I didn't look up super specifics, but I don't know why you would change that, of all things. Well, they did for Diablo 3, and right. suddenly I did not, like like... You know, I think it's they didn't upgrade it to the Diablo three system, from what I understand. I might list Diablo two as like my favorite game of all time. Like I, that is the game that I put fucking hours into, and it's one of those that I'm sure if I watched like a streamer play, it'd be like, oh, I was terrible at that. Game. <laughs> but I could also beat it with my buddy. We would do like speed runs. That's the only game in history I've ever done a speed run on. Once again, guess who was terrible at Diablo two? This guy. <laughs> Guess who's horrible at using necromancers, but insists on trying to make that his main in every game that has a necromancer. Bone magic, son. I know, I know. I'm just, this is, Diablo 2 is like the one game where I naturally gravitate more towards Paladin. It's really fucking weird. Uh, Or Sorcerers for me. It's uh, necro or Sorcerers, but. No, Oridin. If we ever do YouTube pages, a YouTube page for this uh, show like we've talked about, or for this network. I would stream some goddamn Diablo 2. <laughs> <laughs> I feel vaguely good at one video game in my life. Um, and then the, only, the other thing that perked my ears up is that uh, Hades is finally coming to Xbox, so I'm finally going to get to play it. I've only heard, like, amazing, amazing things about the game um, from the same developer. I played Bastion, and that's one of my favorite games ever. 
I can't wait to actually play Hades. It's going to be great. I haven't even heard of it. I know there's a game named Hades, so I'm somewhere in between the two of you. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, roguelike, which I don't know if I've ever actually played a roguelike, thinking about it, uh, where you're the son of Hades, and it's supposed to be... Are you telling me there's a game where you're Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan? Kind of? And I think you your name haven't is... been telling me about this? <laughs> I think his name is Zagreus. Oh, but not, not Damien Hellstrom, son of Satan. Nope. I want the red leather pants and the upside down, or and not the upside down, just the pentagram. But the gameplay is supposed to be engrossing. The character is amazing, and it's also supposed to be like in a fun way, super horny. So that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super curious. Anyway, uh, for our last one. We had surprisingly little news for a week that E3 came out, just because we don't talk about video games a lot. Uh, they have announced that Final Fantasy IX is getting an animated series made. Uh, revealed by Kid Screen, it is a collaboration between the Paris-based Cyber Group Studios and Japanese video game publisher Square Enix. It is aiming for the age range of 18 to 13 and is one of my other favorite games from childhood. <laughs> I don't know if I ever played nine. You're fired, man. No, you're our editor. You're not fired. Please don't. <laughs> Please stay. Uh, I did read, while reading up on this, being like, what the hell? Like, that's amazing. But reading the plot to that game, going, Final Fantasy plots are garbage. What's the plot to nine? Quote, Final Fantasy IX tells the story of Zidane Tribal, a thief who gets hired to kidnap the princess of a kingdom, only to discover that she wants to be smuggled out of her country anyway. They are joined in their escape by Steiner, an overprotective knight, and Vivi, a timid but powerful magician with the stature of a small child. What begins as a simple kidnapping eventually turns into a grand quest to save the world, as the crew encounters many more colorful characters and monsters during their journey. But that also leaves out the fact that, like, Vivi's the only surviving black mage of, like, his village were, were all wildly murdered. And Zidane has a tail for reasons that nobody knows. And there's a fox lady that they don't even mention. <laughs> and there's the, like, swamp monster blue mage frog lady that dresses like, like Little Miss Muffin sat on, what is that? Little Miss Muffet? Little Miss Muffet sat on a muffin. Yeah, that. Uh, sure, whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I do not away. know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to explain a gingham dress and a, like a shawl. <laughs> um, but like weird blue frog lady wearing all of that who eats things to gain their power. And her tongue hangs out. It's the game's perfect. It's just. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> All right. It's the only game that I ever got into, like, the side game card game, mm. like, that they oh, the need yeah, to, like, yeah. went, but not. Mm -hmm. um, oh, Gwent. Or yeah. whatever the stupid underwater football thing was in 10. Uh, Blitzball, which became super easy once you got the jack shot, but anyway. Yes, but I was <laughs> bad at that game and didn't like playing it, so guess what I was terrible at? <laughs> That's our news. That's the new we're already through the news? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I guess. I think we're all tired today, and as I said, my insides resemble one big pollen, so um just one big pollen. Let's <laughs> take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about thirsty sword lesbians. Well, lesbian space necromancers.
and talk more. We've I'll, already I'll, been there. I'm going to bring it up. I'm just, I'm just excited. <laughs> as soon as we like take our quick pause, Anya picks up her water jug and it literally has a sticker that says sword lesbian on it. And I was like, I picked the right guest this week. <laughs> <laughs> I have chosen well. I don't have a thing. What are you talking about? Um, I had never heard. I don't remember. Someone recommended this book to me and it was just on my wish list. I'm like, unaudible. I'm like, I don't even know what this is as I'm like digging through. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Anya's hurt. And you're like, yes. <laughs> this is Lesbian Space Necromancers. So, had you ever heard of this book before? Um... I had heard of it briefly in passing when it first splashed onto the scene because it got super big critical acclaim in 2019. Okay. I know it was, uh, God, what's the artist, writer's name? Tamora? No. Uh, Tamsin. Tamsin Weir. Yeah. Tamsin Weir. Mirror. This was her first novel. The second one has come out, I want to say. Yeah, Harrow the Ninth. Yes. <laughs> okay yes, so good recommendation there and next year the oh. last part of the trilogy Electo the Ninth yes. should come out Electo the Ninth yes okay mm-hmm. I haven't read the second one I honestly have not read the last 10 pages of the first one um, I know what happens I was <laughs> but uh, <sighs> okay I need to get this out of the way okay this this book for me was Breaking Bad it's got all the critical acclaim I loved it. Like, I did love it. And I understand why everyone else loves it so much, but I've never read a book that I was so fucking infuriated with, like, for 90% of the fucking yes. time I was reading it. Accurate. I was fucking Don't infuriated with this book. <laughs> Just with, like, people making Just some of the choices. weird choices. Here, no, not stupid choices. I, I, Here's the part of the infuriating thing. I feel like all of my problems with it are just weird little nitpicks that won't matter to anyone else. And so that's why I understand completely all of the love for it. But I could not fucking stand being stuck with Gideon as my viewpoint character through this fucking book. (laughs) Okay, let's do a quick summary of this book. And then we're going to talk about what has you literally shaking in your chair here. Anyway, I don't even wildly disagree with you, and I still really like Gideon too, though. So I love the character of Gideon. I hated being stuck yes. with her as a viewpoint character. Okay. Yes. So first off, <laughs> how do we want to describe Gideon the Ninth in more words than lesbian space necromancers, but not like given it all? It's a little bit like. It's a little uh, bit like. It, well, I mean, it's post-apocalyptic. It's kind of got the dystopian thing going. It's a little sci-fi. It's a little fantasy. I would argue it's a little more fantasy than sci-fi. I would, I would argue it's a lot it's more like fantasy at this point than sci-fi. In space. <laughs> it's it hits grimdark at levels of like Warhammer Forty yes. K. Yes, because this is about an intergalactic. I think intergalactic. No, it's one star system. Okay, but the Emperor is beyond the star system. Right. A, okay, a space empire of poorly defined <laughs> size based off of necromancy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is the general thing. And it is living, and despite the fact that it's a space empire, we seem to be in a such period of decline. Because every, they're like, even the great powerful houses, and you realize they all, like, 
Everything's just collapsing. Sucking and falling apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That a lot of old school things beyond just feudalism has come back. Like, everyone's using swords because guns almost feel like lost technology. Yeah, there was one Mm -hmm. point where Gideon's like, a gun? Whoa, I've I've only heard of these. This is weird. I wonder (laughs) if it works. The swords are all still sharp. We never find out. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, they they literally had Chekhov's gun and they didn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That had to be on purpose, like with being that on the nose. <laughs> your your nostrils flared when I said that. <laughs> no, because I hadn't even thought of that part. Anyway, <laughs> now we're gonna be mad about that too. Thanks. As we discussed in the Wonder Woman eighty four thing episode. Oh God! You can enjoy something that's bad, and you can have negative opinions <laughs> on things that are good, like the. Good versus bad status and the I liked this versus I didn't like this are not identical graphs. Right. But, and I'm actually somewhere in between. You are, like, vibrating in joy. You're vibrating in anger. And I'm like, this was fun. Um, (laughs) I'm annoyed at myself because I plan to listen to it over, like, five days. Because it's, you know, like 16 hours of audiobook. Mm -hmm. But then the allergy attack happened and I slept Mm. for three of those days. So I'm like, all right. Here it is go. Friday at 2 o'clock, and I have to have this done by Monday at 3. Let's go. I will say, this came at the perfect time for me, because I've been dealing with some knee issues, and I couldn't go to the gym, so I was like, guess I'll cool, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to lay down in bed for a bit. <laughs> oh no, so terrible. Um, A little bit closer on who the characters are, the main character of this is Gideon. Gideon we'll Nav. discuss your thoughts because I actually really want to hear about this in a moment. Gideon Nav is a servant for the ninth house of the weird necromancer cult. I kind of get the feeling that each house has their own planet and it's basically just our star system, but we're mm-hmm. not talking about it. And they're basically on Pluto. The head of this dying household gets called to the first house where she can possibly, like, if they uncover the mysteries. She can become something called a lictor. Serving the emperor. It, it, you become a space marine instead of an imperial guard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to not use too many 40k references because I don't <laughs> play that game. But the lictors, but like, uh, the description kind of reminded me of, um, fuck, what's the name of the, uh, the official name for the Voltron pilots? I don't know. Like, that's what they were kind of, like... We're in service of this to protect this and, like, sort of be the See, the I kind of thought of the Vanguard Power Rangers, like, so I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. yeah. They are, you know, the, the right oh, the hand pal- of the They were the paladins in, yeah. in Voltron, yeah. Except, uh, like, the opposite, because they're fucking necromancers. Well, yeah. <laughs> Again, we do have to say this is a... Morality aside, this is a world where necromancy is not just, like, accepted, but... The dominant force in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, and also the religion and yeah. just this is not, everything they do. This is not almost every D&D book where they're like, well, you can play a necromancer, but everyone will try and kill you if you do. But it's an option. Everyone's like, <laughs> no, nah, it's a fucking requirement here. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which was interesting. It's kind of gross. Like, no, at no point too, like, explicit. But the words blood sweat is uncomfortable to me. They use it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's part of... I I was all up in all that. As I was reading that, I was like... I didn't know what you thought of the book, but I'm like, Tyler's gonna fucking love this world. (laughs) Mostly, there was a little bit of overuse of skulls for me. It was a little bit gaudy, but... 
First book. <laughs> they paint their faces like skulls. I mean, I, I do gotta <laughs> say, for a first novel, this is a really impressive. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so tell me, Gideon Nav, who is our she? It starts with she just wants to get away from the house. Uh, and she's trying to escape with her sword and her dirty magazines. She's an indentured servant, and she basically was just kind of dumped in the ninth house. With a mysterious past! Yeah. Anyways, okay. So, Tyler, <laughs> what is it about her as a narrator that that bothered you? Okay, so I guess first off I will say that my first choice of narrator is always going to be um, a character who is competent and in the know for the most part. <laughs> So, not not her. <laughs> we should say Gideon is extremely competent at what she's been trained at. Yes, just everything that she's been trained at Which is, is hitting, not what's happening. It's here. hitting shit with swords, big swords, big swords. Um, big swords. Now I don't mind a character um, who is not in the know if they gradually come to be in the know, and I get to come to know the world with them. Yeah, part right, of they, the uh, part of the plot of this is that she is like almost intentionally kept out of the know on everything on every level all the time um really by the end of the book when she i mean we're going to get into a little bit of spoilers here when she makes her sacrifice she's literally the only character by that point who it makes sense to get rid of Mm -hmm. because of how little she knows and because of her being the viewpoint and never being let in on most of this stuff i don't feel like i actually got to know the world yeah uh, so, uh, the clue comparison is obnoxiously apt. Like, I'm almost a little mad at you. I'm like, hey, <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. Um, there are people from, the first house is the house of the emperor. She's in the ninth house, and we meet houses two through eight as well. Each one brings a necromancer and a... Cavalier. Cavalier, thank you, who is the sword person who mm-hmm. protects the necromancer. And for like 480 pages, we're told that they all have a specialty without even being hinted at what they are. Yeah, no, they have really mentions. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, what are you They're, yeah, I mean, they're kind of vague about like... But the houses th- are all super blurred together. It feels a little bit to me like the author was torn between doing like, you know, Harry Potter level, you're in this house, so you have these traits, and like not doing that. Yeah, I think the problem for me is it was just it was too many houses to try and keep track of because there were characters I really liked Uh, uh, Magnus who fucking kicks the bucket everyone almost everyone dies in this book spoiler too bad (laughs) but he's one of the first ones and like yeah it's (laughs) grimdark necromancy book like a lot of people off it but. Like, Magnus, I really liked him as a character. I thought he was super... Because he's, like, kind of the older man who's sort of... He's not actually a dad, but he has dad jokes. Mm -hmm. And he Mm -hmm. is, like, the nice uncle to some of the others who enjoys, like, making his... Basically, teen nephews squirm. And as someone who has nieces and nephews... Yes, please. (laughs) Making, like, 15-year-olds embarrassed is just... Like, nicely, not, like, mm-hmm. bullying. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, actually, the amount of houses kind of reminded me of, like, all the all the different uh, squads in Bleach. And it almost would have worked. Naruto it's, had the same problem. Yeah, except, like, in Bleach, you get to learn all of those characters over the course of 
two seasons by the time you meet all of the captains and their lieutenants. Well, and the advantage of when a shonen manga does that, because shonen manga loves doing that, is you can see them. Mm-hmm. Like they are, you know, right here in front. In some ways, and I they're think, usually stylized very wildly. And so. that's what I was gonna say. They tend to be pretty visually distinct. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I kind of feel like Gideon the Ninth is better. the The story they're trying to tell is almost better built for like a shonen manga or an ongoing comic series mm-hmm. than a novel, because there's so much happening and it's so hard it's to hard like, to keep up with the world. <laughs> let's see if I can do this. I'm just curious at this point. The Second house was, like, the military people. Mm -hmm. Yes. Third house was... The twins. The twins. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, With the douchey sword fighter guy as their companion. Yeah, Babs. Who I really... (laughs) I'm I'm not just going to critique this book, but I am going to critique that we never got a moment of Gideon actually kicking the ever-living shit. Thank you. Thank you. That pissed me off so much. Because she set up for it. Like, they have this, you know, that early spar in, like, a If this would have been a real fight, I could have took him. And then we never get the real fight. Yep. I mean, she did kind of take him, just it was against the rules. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really ill, and she's like, he would have won the fight. And he's like, no, she wouldn't have. That's when you show us this fight. Yes. This, like, I I think I would have liked Gideon more if they, uh, we got more times where she's a badass, because we get told she's a badass a lot. But by the time we actually get to see it, and, like, by the time she gets to pick up her big two-handed sword and do badass lesbian sword things, the power level has risen high enough that like she's not Krillin from Dragon Ball Z apparently this is just a shonen manga (laughs) (laughs) but like she's not like Krillin you know you blink and she dies but the other person is summoning like giant skeletons on a whim like there's only so much you can do at that point yeah oh I longed I mean I'm gonna read the sequel just because I longed for so much of this book to have it just been from Harrow's perspective. <laughs> so I want to give a warning about the sequel because I have read it. Okay. Prepare to not have any idea what the fuck is going on ever. Like that okay. book made me feel like I was crazy. So just a heads up, it is it is a ride. But it's not from Gideon's perspective. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just... I feel like there's still an amazing mystery going on, even from Harrow's perspective, where we don't have to be left so much in the dark with Gideon. Well, and, and it we would have made act- Harrow's transition from, like, straight-up sadist bitch to they totally in love uh, much yeah, it faster? Didn't, it didn't, uh... Or much, like, more unbelievably, like, because when she first appears... I feel like I'm I'm not finishing a single goddamn sentence. <laughs> I I feel like this book was created by someone that really wanted Zuko and Aang to be gay together at the end of Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> or the like. Yes. This this author, I would bet money, wrote Harry Draco slash fic when she was like fifteen, <laughs> and I'm not judging. I wrote dumb fan fictions too, and like I know a lot of other people who have done. Like it's not, but like. Yeah, it's literal hate to love. Like, they literally use the words, I fucking hate you. (laughs) And it happens fast. They go from, like, I will murder you, I'm having dreams about having sex with whoever kills you, to, (laughs) 
like just like tied at the hip mm-hmm. together. Yeah, I am really not a, selling. I don't want to. I don't want to say that it's foreshadowed, but there is like, a, like part way through the book, it's pretty easy to be like, "Oh, they're going to do this, aren't they?" I was not surprised at all. <laughs> the turnaround happens. It's just a very small moment relative to the rest of the story. Well, and it's it's a pretty well written moment too. It just happens so abruptly mm-hmm. and then as i said we go from like 0 to 80 on like kind like, of oh uh in fairness lesbians <laughs> lesbianist like that's kind of what we do we're all here for it i mean i'm not going to stereotype other lesbians but i moved in with my wife like not very long after we started dating so Yes, he's you know, about four yeah. months, five months. Yeah, that's about right. And only because we were living in different lesbian, states. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> For context. Yeah. So yeah. We're just thirsty. It's pretty <laughs> We're like, I don't I don't care how these two wind up in love. I just want them to fucking be in love. Tyler and I are like carefully sitting here being like, We are super not qualified to like have opinions on this one. I'm here. Here um, I am. Well, I was just oh man. Okay, the other thing that annoyed me at the get-go that I did learn to love, though, was just the, the narration <clears throat> style was grating at first. Um, I liked the irreverence of it, but I feel like the longer you'd go between people talking, the further out the narrator pulled. Mm-hmm. And the more it became like almost truly like third person or even a weird omniscient narrator but then somebody would talk and it would just like suck back into like harrow's head to gideon's head i mean yeah gideon's head i just wanted to be harrow i okay (laughs) next book next book you get to be Harrow. and i i eventually ended up like not caring about that that much but it did stand out to me in the beginning because i was like where where am I viewing this from? Because it mm-hmm. felt like I kept getting sucked in and pulled back out through it. It made me get lost a few times, especially listening to an audiobook, so it was harder to, like, go... Who's this person again? There's yeah. so many characters. I mean, just... there is 16, no, 17 major characters dropped into this murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Or, theoretically, major characters... 18, there were the twins and the one. Mm-hmm. And then there are the two people that we met from uh, the house before and all of these. And it was just like, each character was really individual, but there were so many of them that it was hard to find time for any of them. Yeah, I'm glad I listened to it a second time because it's definitely a lot. I know the first time I was like, wait, who's this one? Fortunately, like everybody kind of gets called by like a version of a word that represents their house. Right. Um, Fourth. Fifth? Yeah. Septimus? I mean, sometimes it's fourth and fifth, like, just in your face. And sometimes, yeah, it's like Septimus or, like, Harrow is known as Nona Jesimus, which is, you know, vaguely the number nine. Mm-hmm. Fifth house Camilla was... Hecht from the sixth. <laughs> yeah. Fifth house was dad jokes. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was their specialty is dad oh, jokes. Oh, right. You never finished figuring out which houses were which. Sixth house was the... The studying guy and the medicine guy? Yeah. The medicine house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the archaeologist was in that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I liked that house a lot. I wanted a lot more time with them. Uh, I didn't really care I, ooh, sixth. While we're on sixth house, I don't care if 
for spoilers for the sequel or not, I realize we were talking about the names just a second ago, and it's a letter off, but please tell me they don't have Camilla end up doing anything vampire-like. I don't think so. Okay. I have yes. to, I guess the second book was such a mindfuck, I honestly need to go listen to it again just to understand what happened, because I did not know. I, I just felt like a lot of crazy. <laughs> I should say what I liked about Sixth House is their first appearance where they're like, being like, look how old this stuff is, and then a sword fight happens, because that's pretty much everything I like in life right there. Uh, later on, they're a little less interesting, but that opening scene like was one of my favorite scenes in the book, so I'm like, okay, I'm here now. Uh, seventh House was... I straight um, up do Dulcinea. Dul yeah, Dulcinea. Sexist. Oh, yeah. That's why. The sick hottie. I was spoiled on them, <laughs> so I just was already like, oh, that's not a... Like, <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. Um, and then Eighth House was the religious zealots that I wanted to die really fast. Oh, yeah. They did. And the voice actor for the audiobook has... The sword fighter won't talk like this the whole time. And I'm like, that's not the one that should be talking like that. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. The like shitty religious zealot is the one, not the like zealot of the religious zealot that's like, no, I have my honor. Mm -hmm. I have my honor. God, yeah, they're so weird. I think they did that because they're supposed, He's supposed to, be, to be like, like twice backwards his age. characters. Yeah. yeah. It's the uncle is the young one and yeah. the nephew is the older and one. You're like, what the fuck is happening here? I mean, <laughs> I have nephews that are only like 10 years younger. It's not terribly hard to go the other direction. But is but... it like, is that, was it just a mundane explanation or was it a weird magical explanation where the necromancer was like reversing his life or staying young? I just assumed the mundane, but like mm. with how wild this book is, everything you said kind of works. Mm -hmm. Also, you missed the fourth house, which is my third favorite house after the fifth. And I thought the fourth house was the twins. Fourth house is the teens who I think are just hilarious. You're right, that's it. The teens are great. That <laughs> mm -hmm. everybody hates, but they're just a delight. Yeah, they kept calling them the terrible twins, and I'm like, or terrible teens. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but there's, they have done literally nothing terrible once this they're entire time. They're kind of just time. adorable and hilarious. Mm -hmm. They make fun of Magnus, and it's like goofy, it, but it's, it's they're they're a bunch of teens <laughs> that are sent to the Clue Murder Necromancer House. <laughs> With their weird, goofy uncle. And they're like, God, you're embarrassing. And then he died. And they're like, well, time to murder somebody. Uh, if not Hero, they were my next choice down for who I would have preferred it to be narrated by. Oh, my God. That would have been I would have so actually fun. been really on board with that. Um, <laughs> they would have had less references to Dirty Mags. But... <laughs> by the way, Gideon reads Dirty Titty Mags. Often? Often. <laughs> I'm trying to find the right way to phrase this that doesn't make me sound like an outrageous pervert. Um, I wish they had kept that up with her throughout the whole book. Because mm -hmm. they're like, when you first meet her, she's like, I'm a sword fighter. I'm thirsty. I want to look at the titty mags and read comics about the military where the necromancers clearly want to go down on me. Uh, and then they just drop that. Like, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it, it stops thing. being a personality thing. I, don't, I mean, I don't think Gideon got to bring her porn mags with her, so there's that. I guess. They, she could have hit him with her longsword. That's true. I mean, she, well, yeah, she wasn't supposed to take that either. <laughs> Harrow calls Here her griddle the entire time. 
And when I first heard it, I thought it was like a pejorative, like, like they're like a slur of some kind that the house uses against her. But then suddenly they're like soups in love in like <laughs> invisible queer, not invisible, but like not explicitly their fucking queerness. And she still keeps calling her griddle. And I'm like, maybe stop with the childhood bullying name. <laughs> I don't, I feel like I remember it coming up. In the second book, maybe, but again, that I don't, I don't know what happened in that book. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> we haven't read it, so you could have told us literally anything. No, and we would have make it you. up. That happened. Um, I think even if that didn't happen, I feel like there was the implication that it was like because they kind of grew up together, that it was like just childhood nickname thing. I I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, it's, I get it, but because doesn't Griddle date back to? I mean, she was always kind of pretty terrible to her, but there was a point where the terribleness ramped, ramped up, up. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Griddle dates to before that, mm-hmm. right? That's possible. I yeah. Th- this is one of the few times where usually anytime there's the like hate fuck relationship lining up, I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the like. We hate we hate each other, but are in love with each other. Meme, I get mm-hmm. not trope. Um, yeah, because it's unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Like that's just you shouldn't hate your spouse. But for some reason, with these two, and it might have helped that they were like seventeen and eighteen. That I was a little more. Like, I can kind of see it. And like, both giant trauma babies. Giant yeah. trauma babies, and both of them are giant <laughs> dicks. Like it's just, yes. It's not even because of the wild power imbalance of the hated one of the entire house and the leader of the entire house, but like <laughs> in when as the moment they're alone together, their balance versus each other becomes a lot more like the power dynamics become a lot more even. Mm-hmm. It was implicated a couple times through dialogue that like there was actually quite a bit more dueling between the different houses yeah, and they some of their, like, and some of their downtime and so and mm-hmm. i wish we would have got some of those yeah i think because we were stuck with gideon though that might have been part of the like tyler's point is being really well made here. <laughs> um, gideon is just i mean she's the ultimate himbo really <laughs> 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 there's just there's just not she just wants to hit stuff with swords. It's very rare that I say that, like, a book is the wrong format for a story, but I do kind of feel like the book was the wrong format for this story. It's probably the only one where she could have told the entire story she wanted to tell. Because, like, a comic, it would have been hard to keep this running mm-hmm. long enough. Mm-hmm. And a TV show is just hard to make, and it would be really hard to sell. It'd either be really hard or really easy to sell lesbian sword necromancers, but, like, the budget would be a yearly... Yeah. Also, also being a no-name person. Like, this Mm -hmm. is her first novel, again. Like, this is... Neil Gaiman's like, I want to write a story about lesbian space necromancers. Netflix is like, here's $20 million. (laughs) um, Fuck off, Neil Gaiman. I mean... Don't. Don't, but also, like, you don't get to have lesbian... Space necromancers. That's just my feeling. It's like... <laughs> because she has them. Yes. Other people 
can do lesbian space. I mean, he could have lesbian space necromancers, I feel but like, like that actually be something I'd be I pretty good at. Probably, but, <laughs> but like not as they need to be. Not like I don't know. It's the whole like riding in your lane thing of like have those characters in your stories, but don't write from their perspective because they're not your story. Mm-hmm. That's where shit gets complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've as, had those arguments with people. As someone who has started making comic end. book characters again and, like, started... I'm just... I don't have anything finished yet, but I've been making... And, like, I need to include this character. What's the right level of, like, including this character and having them as a, like, main cast member as opposed to a background cast member versus not wanting to tell their story for them versus, like... Yeah, it is... Just, that's an entire... That's, like, your fave is problematic mm. part... The second, yeah, but not because it's a completely <laughs> different conversation. It's a whole thing. We don't have to go into that right now, <laughs> but we could if you want. Lesbian space necromancers. Lesbian space necromancers. Love them so much. Now, as much as I've been whining, I do want to say, I mean, I laid in bed reading this book for eight hours straight on Saturday. I really and we're entertained. It. Like, yeah. it's, it's, so I was super entertained. Like, I, I don't want anybody to come away from this episode thinking I hated the book. And that I wouldn't recommend it, because I would. I just, you, I do feel like people should know what they're getting into going into it, because Gideon... It's, this book has its flaws. <laughs> it's a first book? Yeah. For a first book, like, damn. Yeah. I couldn't write this. Uh, it's one of those things that I've... A thing I learned from podcasting. If we have, like, this was really good, but I do have critiques... The episode becomes just about those critiques. <laughs> but if you're like, this was a bad movie, but I had a lot of fun watching Wonder Woman 1984. God um, damn it. <laughs> then the entire movie is me being like, oh, no, you're right. But it was a wild thrill ride. <laughs> <laughs> like, we... Yeah. I, and I like my my friend was like, have you read this book? And I was like, what? I haven't even heard of this book. What are you talking about? And she was like lesbians in space and i was like what the fuck how have i not heard of this book because that's like what i do outside of reading about irish paganism is read lesbian stuff and like watch lesbian stuff and most of it is really really bad so like in that perspective this book was my the main course of eating a meal and everything else is just junk food it was so good so good (laughs) Another one of those things where you need to correct me very much if I am wrong here. From what I've been able to gather, a lot of gay, like, gay media is kind of where a lot of genre media was about 20 years ago of, like, there's some real pearls in there, but a lot of it is, like... Bad. And kind of schlocky (laughs) is a term that I... I watch a lot of bad lesbian movies and stuff, and I just... I just... It's because I just want representation. And... If I have to watch bad shit, I guess that's what's going to happen, which is why I started writing, because I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need something with substance. So, (laughs) (laughs) not that what I wrote really necessarily had substance, but at least had substance for me going through. They're all bad. They're all bad. Don't read any of them. (laughs) (laughs) There's some excellent self promo for you. The author's dilemma. (laughs) (laughs) Um,. Yeah, so it's just nice to have good stuff, because it's like, all the movies are either extra, extra bad, and or about 
someone who is married to a man falling in love with a woman and then cheating on her husband. That's the plot of like 50% of lesbian movies. And you're also like, Hey, maybe don't cheat on your husband. Yeah. Like, like if you're gay, be gay. Don't get I'm me wrong. I'm excited for but you like, to be gay, but can you not cheat on your husband? Like, and also, do we have to keep making movies about "quote unquote" straight women then cheating on their husbands because they realize that they're not straight? Uh, it's a bad time. Do something better. Do something like Gideon. So great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I I definitely enjoy that. There is uh, no homophobia mm-hmm. in it, and you just don't have yeah. to deal with it for. So excited that's finally becoming the trend because I know people have been talking about it a long for a long time. Like we can stop making media about <laughs> queers coming out. That doesn't. There are other things that happen in our lives, so it's nice to be at that point finally. Well, and I can get why for a lot of queer creators, telling a story about coming out was like mm-hmm. important for a long time. But we are reaching the point that like, mm-hmm. hey, other stories exist. I guess, and also like. Very white man talking. Younger generations are reaching the point where they're like, "Why do people even have to come out? Like that's so weird. Why do you even? Why is that even a thing?" So, yay, progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my some of my nieces and nephews were like ten. We're talking about like someone being a bigot, and they brought what? (laughs) What? What does that even? What what is is happening there? Even like. Wrong with you, old Not roll with it, fight this, but like, (laughs) I don't got the time to explain this one right now, buddy. Yes. Yeah, so Gideon was, all right, I was going somewhere with my friend. Oh, yeah, I think I went where I was going. It's fine. It's fine. It's great. (laughs) Uh, This could be, this could lead to interesting or just no results whatsoever, but since your head has been so deep in Irish paganism, yeah. is there anything from there that if you could rewrite it and port it into Gideon that you would? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a loaded whoa, fucking whoa, question what? right there. <laughs> we went places with that. Um, well, I don't know anything about it, so I'm curious. And I, I, I was thinking because of how death-based it was, I was thinking about like, Mesoamerican mythology while mm-hmm. reading this. I was like, oh, all the skulls fit so good. If somebody pops out with a McQuetel, I will not be surprised. <laughs> the tricky part is that, like, in Irish lore, there's not a lot. I mean, death isn't talked about a lot, and it's pretty, I mean, there's a pretty blase attitude about it mm. because most of the lore comes from, like, the Bronze Age ish. Mm-hmm. So. You know, people didn't live that long and they were just were out to, you know, be a hero and then die. Um, <laughs> Fair. Fight some people and die. Um, Fair. I'm going to drink a lot and then die. I don't know. Um, pretty much all the lore. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they don't really talk about death a lot, except for a part where they, they do talk about... People die going, a lot, but they're not necessarily yeah, it's going not, into the... it's just the, a thing that is. It's not, like, a big deal, so they don't really talk about death things. But I think it would be... Mm, I don't know. I think it would be really cool for them to have, because there is reference to, like, a death world outside of... there's. It's actually an island, like, off of Ireland that's, like, the place where people go when they die. Oh. Or some people go mm-hmm. when they die. I think that would be a really cool place to play with necromancy and because it's also 
so vague about what happens there. It's like you don't die and go to heaven or go to hell. Like you, some people get to go on a boat over to this island. <laughs> so that might be really cool. Okay. Yeah. I can see how you can play with at Put least that sort of idea and like. Yeah. Or take it as like, here's the planet or the other house that people go to when they die and don't keep getting fucked around with by necromancers. Because, <laughs> you know. Nothing good turns out for anybody in this book. <laughs> no. You die and then, and then people just use your body. Even the people who win, <laughs> things go badly for them. Is anyone going to be surprised if it turns out like, uh-oh, Emperor's been the baddie the entire time? Like, maybe there shouldn't be an empire based on necromancy, and maybe the rest of the universe is actually nice, wonderful, normal people. It is interesting to see (laughs) necromancy treated just as... book spoilers. (laughs) Just treated as, like, a normal thing, as opposed to usually evil. Um, It actually kind of makes me think, with what you're saying, Kelt, the necromancers here are treated in what I imagine is, like, pretty traditional western necromancer look for like western fantasy mm-hmm. of it's almost kind of edwardian they talk about like white silk shirts that some of them are wearing and they're using rapiers yep. well the the like cavaliers the flowy, are kind of like thin gowns and stuff that they're wearing where does this come from like that that this stylization of necromancers like you know we can tell like a lot of Hammer Horror trends go straight back to, like, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, how we see vampires will always be Bram Stoker from now on, pretty much. Like, <laughs> uh, where did we get, like, necromancers? weird, floofy Lord Byron necromancers? Like, because I don't think he ever actually wrote anything about, like, raising the dead. I have no idea. <laughs> it I... works. It's a little trashy, but that's okay. It's good to have... I feel like at some point they just started conflating necromancy with, like, the floofier vampire fashion when, like, mad scientists mm. went out of style. They and do parts sort of, of this book are kind of mad scientist-y. So. They do sort of live, and they kind of dive between the three. There's the mad scientist necromancers, there's the floofy Edwardian, and then there's the leather daddy necromancers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, like, the, the yes. triangle of necromancers, and Gideon just, like, stepped in the middle of them. was like, this is our spot. <laughs> <laughs> this is my sword. <laughs> Some floofy leather. Magnus, in a, I think, in kind a of laboratory. is just Brian Blessed, if you know who that is. Yes. Uh, I don't imagine him, but that's amazing. <laughs> you ever see Flash Gordon? Okay, Star Wars Episode One: The Leader of the Gungans. Oh, that okay, voice, gotcha. that gotcha. like, <laughs> without some of the racist subtones of the Gungans, <laughs> but um, oh, Brian Blessed. <laughs> He's in an episode of Doctor Who, and I'm like, this is a terrible episode, but damn, am I having fun watching it? <laughs> like, um, like, there's got to be an app that's just like a Brian Blessed alarm clock, right? Oh, he's supposed to be out of his gourd, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's beautiful. I think I think he might still currently hold the world record for the highest descent up Everest without oxygen. Jesus Christ. He's like six and a half feet tall with your life? And a huge beard. And <laughs> every line he does is like this. <laughs> and he really likes to cuss. So he came from theater. Yeah. yeah. And steadfastly refused to adapt. <laughs> <laughs> like Patrick Stewart learned how to do like the inside voice. I just don't think Brian Blessed has one. We don't one. do that here. <laughs> yeah, Brian Blessed doesn't do inside. <laughs> 
Gideon, though. <laughs> Did I just miss it? Did they actually indicate that Gideon was as fucking huge as she was? Yes. At any point before, like, 200 pages in? Uh, I don't know if they did it before that. I, I think they kind of tried to make it happen by, like, interactions between Harrow and Gideon, because Harrow is pretty short and small, and Gideon is just a mass of muscle and very tall. See, I've always gotten, <laughs> like, you know chunk of meat, like, mm -hmm. big muscle. I hadn't... My mind's eye hadn't put her as She's overly tall. tall. And I, as you said, I it could just be I missed it when I was listening to yeah, it. Or it's in there. But she's, and she also wields a two-handed sword, which means she has to be tall enough to do that. Yeah. So. That's... <laughs> yeah, by, by the time enough people, like, once people started commenting finally on how, or, like, her actual physical appearance, I was like, oh, Jesus, she's like... <laughs> Chick Dresden. You are a beast. <laughs> yeah, she makes me think of uh, a character from an anime. I'm just going to stop referencing anime. Ruth Soldier Louis is great. Um, <laughs> no, we're not going to stop referencing anime because... This um, is an anime in novel form. Just... Because Magnus reminded me of the dude that dies in Full Metal Alchemist rather than <laughs> Brian Blessed. <laughs> oh. the, the dude with the... the... Uh, I'm, I'm making a motion of the, the little cowlick for hair. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 not the guy with cowlick for hair. The guy that um, we're all sad gets offed when he's talking on the phone. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, Maze Hughes. Different show. Um, <laughs> that's his name, Maze Hughes. <laughs> Who was your favorite? Well, I know your favorite was Magnus, yeah? Besides mm -hmm. main characters. Did you have He favorites? had great dad energy. <laughs> I was listening on Father's Day. He was so sweet. See, I mean, I... I actually did really like Camilla and uh, yeah, and uh, Sextus was Pal yeah. Palamedes Six House Pal the Plula. Sex Pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got the fun like they got one of the better dueling scenes, mm -hmm. and when like the the scientist guy lost his temper afterwards, I thought it was one of the better scenes in the book. I actually liked the dueling scenes even though both of them were very short, mm -hmm. better than I liked the final boss fights. But for a very specific reason, the final boss fight falls into a, a, a trap that I get tired of, of they hit it with everything they have. There you have nothing possible left. And it looks like it kills them. And then they step out of the smoke again. But then suddenly something happens and they go Super Saiyan. And then they hit them with everything they possibly could have. And she steps out. It's like the three-step bosses in like all the old N64 Zelda mm -hmm. games. Like This isn't even my final form. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was really into it. But by the time we got to like the third or fourth final form, I was like, okay, guys. We got this. Just just either die or kill, like, be done. Well, that's legit. Well, and it's a fine line with, I mean, it's a fine line with anything of how much of a fight you can show before it becomes too much. Mm -hmm. You know, Return of the King, that bat, that final battle was too long. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> two Towers was just about right. Fellowship, arguably a little too short for, like, the fight scenes. Like, where to find that is... Yep. Tough. And you yep. don't know you've crossed the line of too long until you are suddenly like, oh no. I can't go back. Yeah. <laughs> Just bam. It is way too long now. I liked, I liked 
listening to the dueling scenes because they were well done and like specific and as people who fight in life it was fun to listen to oh how did they do that oh they were doing this thing Ooh, mm-hmm. and like talking about like the techniques and the particulars of the duels well and i think shorter fight scenes do help of it keeps it easier to like visualize mm-hmm. what's going on as opposed to the later one and again this is not me just beating up a beginning but the the, <laughs> the fault of this eventually i'm like Oh, look, more bones are happening. What's happening? I don't know. A fucking bunch of bones. Bones. Like, There's just bones. bones everywhere. A lot of bones. Just bones. Big bones, little bones, bones. Okay, now I'm just thinking of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine going, Bones! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched that show, Tyler, but... Uh, Not enough. Oh, that's so oh, great. Lovely. Not enough. Uh, oh, yeah, so much bones just flying everywhere, bones especially everywhere. during those last battles. Well, and they talk... Actually, I, Hera was pretty cool of seeing her power levels, and they tell you mm-hmm. she's scary, and they'd never... They'd... And then she levels up over the course of the story. Yeah. yeah. There's never a point of, like, you're not really that scary, whatever. No, she is legitimately terrifying with what she does, and the idea of, like, I can take this molar and pull an entire skeleton out of it is a kind of necromancy that I've never even thought of before yeah, this book, wild. so... yeah. I think my favorite allusion to Harrow's power that I don't remember if it gets specifically addressed, but the fact, like, in the beginning of the book, they talk about her parents are her puppets. They are dead. They have been dead for a long time, and she makes them live mildly normal lives when she, like, as she's going around and actually running the ninth house because her parents are dead. So, mm-hmm. like, Yeah. And then when her and Gideon leave the ninth house, she has to be like, my parents won't be around. <laughs> they will sequester themselves. Sequester themselves. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a good allusion to Harrow's power of like, she's just puppeting her parents through life all the time. I feel like if sucking in someone else's soul into yourself to make yourself a lictor works, like there should be something extra for like, a whole generation of kids being sacrificed just so that you could be born. Like, that should be at least half Lichterhood all by itself for Harrow. I don't know. They are surprisingly chill about that revelation. Yeah, well, it is necromancy. I know, and death and death <laughs> and necromancy, and it's, you just kind of become numb to it a little mm-hmm. bit, but, like, all right, we're in major spoilers territory here, but still, we find <laughs> out that Hera is... Uh, only alive because they murdered 200 children and tried to murder Gideon, but it didn't take. And then Gideon's like... Because Gideon's Wolverine? And has a <laughs> healing factor? Okay, I guess we can be in love. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Turns out you're literally describing yourself... Like, Hera admits how terrible it is. And it's not her fault. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But also... She's like, I'm a fucking war crime. And I'm like, yes, they are a war crime. Like, I'm straight up calling you that. I'm going to hug you and be in love with you now. Like, <laughs> Jesus, Gideon. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, Gideon didn't die, so it's fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gideon would have not liked any of those other kids anyway. That's true. <laughs> Gideon would have beat up every one of those 200 kids. Yes. Just <laughs> stolen all of their lunch money. I'm just saying the random morality of this, of like where it fluctuates. Like, that one person died. How dare you? Now I'm going to go kill like six mm. people. 
<laughs> yeah, there's not a there's not really a moral code. Which ever. I suppose is going to happen when it's um a world this obsessed with death. Because mm-hmm. the places where they do get mad is, hey, I liked that person. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I mean, they're all, in the beginning of, when they're in the ninth house still, they keep talking about how it's kind of like an honor to die and then serve the ninth house as a dead body. So, meh. What is death? Uh, Just say the word bones too many times in this book. So many bones. Bones, 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 bones. We should cover bone at some point. Anyway. We're going to need like two or three episodes <laughs> to cover that fucking epic. <laughs> oh, bone. Bones, bones, bones. Uh, do we have anything else on Gideon? Or Without we... spoilers, are they going to at some point reveal more why Gideon didn't die there? Yes. Okay. Because I would have been have... really mad at the... Does it have something to do with who's in the tomb? Uh, oh, I yes. forgot about... Like, they mentioned the locked tomb very mm-hmm. early, and then they just drop it until they're like, by the way... It's a big thing in the second book. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> desperately hoping. I'm just saying, they're like, locked tomb for later on. Oh my god, you stepped in the locked tomb? And you're like... Build up, woman. Plot twist. Oh no, I kind of liked that whole like hero. I was like, yeah. So I went in there when I was like six. I'm like what? And you're like, uh, <laughs> this place that the like the ninth house exists to keep closed. You're telling me you just fucking went in? And that's when I was like, this is why I like her. <laughs> well, yeah, when you're created thing. to be the spoiled god, you when you're created to be everything Draco Malfoy thinks he is through the <laughs> second Harry books. Um, then yeah, that's the kind of stuff you're gonna do. Oh my god, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, now I just really want to read the second book again. Just, do it. Oh, I'm now's gonna, the time. Like I'm, I was listening to the first book again today just to like brush up again, and so I'm gonna finish that again and then listen to the second one again because, like I said, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I just the whole time I was listening to it at work and I just was like had shock face the whole time because I was like, I don't know what's going on. I like that. (laughs) It was wild. It was probably one of the most wild books I've ever read. I'm going to buy it right now. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound very Dune the more you describe it. Not actually like the story of Dune, but just... Wild Space Empire, what is even happening? Am I losing my mind? I haven't read Dune, but from what I've heard, yes. Mm, I love it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, check this book out. Especially, like I just said, we've spent most of this critiquing it, but it is quite a very enjoyable book. It's the best lesbian book I've read in a very long time, and I read a lot, so... She's the one to qualify to comment (laughs) on that. That's the best recommendation we're going to get. Um, yeah, I, I dug it. Yeah, check it out. It's good. It, it's not the deepest thing I've ever read, but that's fine. Recommendations. I'll start. All right. Um, we both the, started at you, so I hope so. The uh, <laughs> the weird mix of uh, irreverence and kind of contemporary language mixed into this uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi 
fantasy setting <laughs> kind of weirdly reminded me of this show. So I will recommend the TV series uh, Plebs. It's a British comedy series set. Uh, it's two. I think they're I think they're from Gaul. Anyway, these two guys move to Rome back during ancient Rome days and are trying to pass themselves off as being Roman citizens so that they're not looked down upon as being lower class. And it's kind of a weird workplace comedy, but it's all contemporary language. They don't even try to throw it back at all. I kind of like that sometimes. Like, um, yes. So yeah, I'll go with plebs. Nice. All right. I had one that actually related to this book in some way, shape, like necromancers or space or lesbians or whatever. <laughs> uh, and I don't remember what it is. So we'll go with the Louise Simpson. Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson run on the original X Factor. Louise Simonson being a writer, Walt Simonson being a uh, artist. They're not always creative team that work together, but they were both working at Marvel and they're like, Hey, you guys want to do this book? Not sure. We'll try Try it out. And it was the original, the, the, the original X Factor was the original five X-Men teamed up again together for the first time since like the 60s. And when it first launched, it was a decent book, but it had some definite flaws. And then they gave it to these two. And the first thing they did was like define who Apocalypse is. The big X-Men villain outside of Magneto. Um, it, it took place in the 80s. So it's right at this really interesting point in comic history where the stories are getting longer and more serious and experimenting with what we can do in storytelling style, but it is still, it is before the a big event comics thing became the fold. So we don't have to worry every like six months of like, Oh, now they got to go hang out in empire. And then oh, secret invasion is happening. And those two events took place literally 15 years apart from each other, but I'm sticking with it. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's real good. Also, Walt Simonson created Frog Throg. Uh, Throg. Throg, Frog of Thunder. Yes. Over when he was running uh, Thor. So, dude knows his chops. I'm going to take my guest prerogative and do two recommendations. All right. Well, I didn't know that was a guest prerogative. I've been uh, cheating I'm for cheating years. I'm now! <laughs> um, uh, the first one is mildly relevant to Gideon. Or if you like Gideon, or if you're not sure if you want to go into Gideon, or if you're thinking, man, Gideon was terrible and I should go watch better lesbian things, you should go watch Motherland, which is, uh, <laughs> it's very queer. It's kind of a, a B-rated show um, about military witches like a military branch of witches i love everything it's, about this it's sentence. women in uniform um so fuck yes uh the show is kind of it's not kind of campy it's a lot campy um it's it's just i don't know i mean kind of got one the 100 vibes and it's just like a whole Bruce Campbell's our favorite author or actor on this <laughs> podcast selling us on being campy is not it is not a hard yeah. sell here. So Motherland, if you need something Gideon-esque, um, it's a fun show. And the second season just came out, which I haven't started yet, but I'm excited to watch it. And my second recommendation is the Blind Boy podcast, which I just recommend everywhere all the time. Um, Blind Boy <sighs> is an Irish 
artist, writer, musician. Um, he's one third of the Rubber Bandits, who are an Irish music group. He is like the the continued living tradition of Irish bards. Um, that's Blind Boy. He just his podcast is filled with really great mental health things. Like it's the best therapy I've ever had. But he talks. He does hot takes all the time where he just pulls random shit out of his ass and connects it together and you're like where are we going and you're just learning about weird random shit i've learned so much stuff from his podcast that i never had any interest in so that check sounds out. super cool it's so great and his whole deal is to make sure that you get a podcast hug so super high quality production value and like um he just talks in a nice like level tone all the time and there's like a little bit of really light elevator jazz piano in the background all the time. It's just so good. So nice to listen to. As I'm sitting here hacking up alone, like my <laughs> voice is cracking when I'm getting too excited. Yeah, I don't know if you gave him a hug with your voice. No, nope, there is no hugs from me today. I apologize, everybody. Just hacking. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm always Come here to again. talk about sword lesbians. Yeah, we've already talked about other possible th places to bring you. Yes. It'll be fun. It'll be super fun. Cora. 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 Xena we've talked oh, about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> other serious heavy topics we've talked about. Yes. Anything that you come up shit. with that you want to come on to make us talk about? That's Cora. Cora. <laughs> I want to talk about Cora all the time, all day, every day. That works. <laughs> that works. I need to actually finish it. I never oh, did. So fucking day. I, I didn't finish it until it came onto Netflix, so I understand. There's just not enough hours in the day anymore. I understand. But next week will not be Cora. Next week. Next will time. Be next time. I, someday I'll stop doing that. Probably when we go back to weekly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next time we will be uh, checking out the first season of Ted Lasso. Yes, you will. <laughs> Okay, I will, I will be, be watching out the first season of Ted Lasso. You'll be on your like fourteen three watch. <laughs> You're probably pretty close. It came out like last year, man. I know, and it's also only five hours long. Yeah, it's ten episodes. It's not a terribly difficult thing. Uh, we generally don't do full seasons anymore, but for it's five, five hours. hours long, like that's fine. <laughs> Uh, so that's going to be great. I'm going to be so happy just to hear what you have to say about it. I fell into a YouTube hole of watching clips of this, like, at lunch today, and that's what made me be like, all right, all right, it's time. I hope, I hope that it feels as much like a television hug for you as it did for me. Well, hopefully my voice will be better by next time, so we can actually, we can hug it out. Yeah. We'll hug it out, nerds. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Nerd hugs. Nerd hugs. All right. In the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is ran on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, while you're there, 
check out all of our back catalog or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.